It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. On today's episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, where Bengals football never stops, we continue the Joe Mixon conversation as his deal goes official and he met with the media today, along with Zach Taylor, to talk about his new contract extension. We're then joined by Eric Eager, data scientist from Pro Football Focus. We talk a little bit more about running back positional value, and I'm going to press him, James, just as a preview and a teaser for where EPA might come up short in evaluating running backs and how it might not quite encapsulate how defenses necessarily game plan around the running game and specific running backs. So that's going to be my primary question for Eric from a data perspective to challenge my own perception that running backs are not a very valuable position in football. But before we get into that guest appearance later on in the show, James, let's cover the news of the day, which is the press conference and some injury updates from today's practice. Let's get started, James, by talking about the Joe Mixon press conference today. There were a few interesting notes there, one of which was, I think, Jeff Hobson, the Bengals.com writer, asked Joe, what would you say to everybody that says running backs aren't a valuable position? And this question I felt personally attacked by good good and joe mixon said you know what i'm not trying to prove anybody wrong i'm just trying to prove the bengals right i'm just trying to establish some sort of precedent that says you know what maybe that premise isn't accurate he's trying to be the exception to the rule and i love it i love that because there are so many people and this is really just a general life thing that they're like, oh, I'm going to prove my haters wrong, right? And I feel like that's our generation to a degree. It's like, ah, hating on me. And, and he's like, no, I, I just want to prove the people that do believe in me. doesn't matter how few or, or how many it is. I want to prove those people right. And I think that's a, a really healthy mindset. Instead of being focused on the data-driven nerds – no, I'm just kidding. Not nerds. But the people that hate on the running back position, 
Joe's like, look, I'm going to just go in there and, and dominate it. And there are so many takeaways I had from what he had to say, but clearly he is confident. He can be one of these top backs in the league, pass catching that, you know, catching out of the backfield, all of the things that you see McCaffrey or Elliott or any of these guys do Joe thinks he can do. And one thing that stood out to me was what he said about Joe Burrow. Naturally, in the media, we're going to ask about Joe Burrow for, from virtually any player that's up there. And so this is the first time we talked to Joe Mixon and we asked him about Joe Burrow. And he said, quote, he's definitely going to be great and a great guy here in this league for years to come. And I hope I could finish my career here with him. So take that for what you want. He might just be saying it. But there were multiple times where Joe talked about wanting to finish his career in Cincinnati, how he didn't want this to be the last contract he signed with the Bengals. And so I think he's pretty happy to be here. And I can't help but think that Joe Burrow is is at least part of the reason why. There are a few interesting takeaways there. The one thing that you can't take away from Joe Mixon is his enthusiasm for playing football in Cincinnati, his unabashed support for his teammates and his energy. Zach Taylor talks about it all the time. By all accounts, Joe Mixon appears to be the ideal teammate. And as somebody that brings the energy at the running back position, I think that there is some value there. And it's nice to hear players say, again, we talked about this with A.J. Green, a guy say he wants to finish his career in Cincinnati. Speaking again to the cohesion that's coming up in this Bengals locker room, Mixon praised the offense that Callahan the offensive coordinator Brian Callahan and head coach Zach Taylor are putting together. So it's nice to see that excitement. It was, he was cheesing a smile. He couldn't help, but come across his face when he was thinking about the offense this year. And for a guy that they're really dedicating a lot of resources to, it's good that he's energized. It's good that he's optimistic about this offense. And I don't think Mixon would ever be anything else. I think that that's in his nature, but you hope that that is a sign of things to come and actually manifest in some way of getting him the ball a little bit more. And we'll see what has to give in order for him to get those increased touches. And you hope you're right, that, that they're able to get him more involved in the passing game. And one thing Zach Taylor is never going to do, and he's a master at this is tell us that they want to get Joe Mixon more involved in the passing game. But what he did say, Jake, and I tried to, phrase it differently after he was asked that i was like well do you think joe's capable of having 60 70 80 catches a season and he praised them and and so when taylor says well i'm going to do whatever it takes to put up points to win and he also thinks that mixon is capable of being that type of player that type of back 60 70 80 catches i read between the lines i kind of backed him into a corner a bit i think that's the plan i think they're going to try to get him involved in the passing game and really, I think the whole offense should run through him this year. And that will be the challenge for Zach Taylor and this coaching staff. We've talked at length about how good the wide receivers are. And speaking of those wide receivers, this was the first time, at least in a while, in this training camp or preseason period that we saw John Ross, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, and the presumed starting tight end C.J. Uzama on the field all at the same time with Joe Burrow. That is a good sign for health heading into week one. Coming up next, we wrap up two episodes worth of Joe Mixon conversation with Eric Eager, one of the smartest guys working over at PFF, who actually is more optimistic maybe than either of us, James, for the Bengals' 2020 outlook. We'll get to that coming up next. 
Before we get there, I use Game Pass all the time during the season, and I can't wait to watch Bengals football on Game Pass again. And they're sponsoring this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You can get every snap from every game with full game replays on NFL Game Pass. You can see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass Film Sessions episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many others. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go over to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're now joined by Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus's Executive Director of Research and Development, the co-host of the PFF Forecast Podcast. And in 2018, Eric, you wrote an article about the value of running backs. And given that the Bengals have just become the latest team to spend a whole lot of money on the running back position, what is your initial take on this contract for the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Mixon? With, with these ones, I always think it could be worse, you know, like obviously McCaffrey, you know, went for 16 million a year, you know, APY, um, you know, somebody like Derek Henry would 12 and a half, despite the fact that he, unlike Mixon is not, you know, the, the best pass catcher in the world. Um, so, you know, obviously, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be very hard for the Bengals to get the value out of this deal um, that they're hoping. But as far as running back, if you're conditioning on, on signing a running back to a long-term deal, this isn't the most egregious thing uh, you know, that a team has ever done. With Mixon's versatility, does that play a role in the, in the value? The fact that he's, you know, he's not a Leonard Fournette type where he can catch out of the backfield and do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean the the misnomer. I mean the interesting thing is Fournette had like seventy one catches last year, you know, yeah. for the for the Jaguars. So it, it's it's more the you know what running back catches represent, which is you know it's better. Running back catches are generally better than runs, you know, on an offensive you know expected points or however you want to measure it. They're generally more efficient than running the football, and they're less dependent upon the offensive line than say rushing is, but you're much better off throwing the ball to a receiver, a tight end. And, you know, my hope is, you know, for the Bengals this year, for them to succeed, you know, Mick, I hope that they don't force feed Mixon to sort of justify this deal. They have some pretty good talent on the offense with Tyler Boyd. I think he has a humongous year as Joe Burrow is sort of Justin Jefferson this year. Uh, AJ Green, obviously, if he can stay healthy, um, John Ross, and then, you know, T Higgins, like they have, they have a ton of weapons, and, and my fear would be, even though Mixon is good, 
I, I don't want to see an increase in his touches because every touch that you give to a running back is one that you're not giving to a probably more efficient player on the outside. So let's talk about that premise a little bit because the, the foundation of the running backs don't matter data from my perspective as someone who hasn't done the math myself, but instead I read the work that you and others, Ben Baldwin, et cetera, do. It kind of comes down to me to, to EPA per play. Is that a fair assessment? And can you can you summarize the, the fundamentals of the argument that say you shouldn't pay running backs a lot of money because they're not as valuable as other positions that affect the passer? Well, it, yeah, the, the running back thing is two-pronged. The first one is that running the football is just not as efficient as passing. That doesn't mean that you should pass the ball in every single play, but what it means is that at the current rate, teams probably run the ball too much, and especially on early downs. Um, if you get a small gain on first and 10, your chances of having success on that drive are extremely low. Um, if you get a small gain on second and 10, it's even worse, of course. Um, and, you know, that's one thing. I mean, there, there are situations where running the football is efficient, uh, short yardage, red zone, those kind of things. But then the second part of the argument is that it, there's very little evidence that the actual running back that's being used affects your efficiency as a running team or as a team throwing the football. Um, to the running back. So that's what, those are really the two things. A, passing the ball is just a more efficient play. So any resources that go to the running game can't, be, can't go to the passing game. And then the other one is that with enormous inputs, changes to inputs at the running back position don't lead to enormous changes in outputs. And as Bengals fans, we've all, you know, everybody's seen this, right? Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is nowhere near as good of a back as you know the Giovanni Bernard was but their outputs were about the same um Jeremy Hill was the next best thing until he wasn't and you know Joe Mixon has had good years and bad years but it's been mostly a product of the offensive line and and that's kind of like what you know that's what the issue is whereas and I think Bengals fans are going to see this this year if you make small inputs to the quarterback position oftentimes that can yield enormous inputs out, you know, it outputs to the, you know, sort of like production. So if Burrow is 10% better than Andy Dalton, the offense might be 30% better. Whereas if Mixon's 30% better than his backup, that might only lead to two or 3% better in the run game. And to me, when I think about paying players and allocating money to them, you, you want small changes. You want, you know, small changes in draft capital, small changes in salary to lead to big changes uh, in terms of output. So as, as far as uh, from a data perspective, is there a scenario where in t- 2022, 2023, you're looking back and this seems like a wise deal? How impossible is that, given everything that you just said? I, I don't know. I it, It's not very high. I mean, there's a number of things that go wrong with these. If you look at the Rams, when they paid Todd Gurley, it was because he got hurt. If you look at the the Jaguars, you know, using the top five pick on Leonard Fournette, it was just because he wasn't that effective and the team situations weren't good. I mean, Fournette was considered a good pick when the Jaguars were good and they were kind of not the, the fact that they were good kind of had nothing to do with them. Right. So like kind of how, how does he, how do you square that? I think at the Bengals, because they're the way that they're structured in that their most important player is cheap. He's on a rookie contract. Um, you can get away with a lot of you know signings that are suboptimal. You look at Kansas City, for example, when Mahomes was on his rookie deal, they were able to pay Sammy Watkins three years, forty-eight million dollars to be their third option in the passing game. I, you know, 
when people ask me, was that a bad deal? I think, well, you know, Sammy made a lot of big plays in the playoffs. So, yeah, they probably overpaid for him, but they had that. They could afford to do so. The Bengals can kind of afford to do so because their most important players, the Burroughs, the Higgins, the Jonah Williams, um, you know, those players are all on rookie deals. So, they, you know, if the Bengals have team success, it might not be because of Mixon, but there might be some games where he runs out the clock more effectively than somebody else and in which case you know as a Bengals fan you know as Bengals fans I would I would not necessarily like you know blame you guys if you look back and say okay you know the mix and contract wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen there are a few things that make it maybe a little bit different than some of the other deals and and the first one is that he's 24 so by the time the deal ends he's he's still relatively young and for NFL running backs he's still old but compared to NFL players who have long, good careers, still relatively young. The other big thing for me is there's only $10 million of this deal that appear to be guaranteed. We don't have the full terms of the contract yet. The Bengals don't guarantee salary as a rule, and there's $10 million of signing bonus here. The last year of the contract is a team option. Those things, I think, make it very risk-averse at a position where you talked about Todd Gurley. There's a lot of risk. So really, for the Bengals, it seems like the big thing is how do you find a way to use him efficiently in such a way that it maximizes the offensive output and how flexible can they stay on an ongoing basis in the future when they need to evaluate where do we need to allocate the, these cap dollars? Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that that, you know, when you look at the way, so I always, I always like, you know, struggle when, the moment a guy signed, it was like we're buying Tannehill and Kirk Cousins in the offseason where the moment that they were signed to their deals, we were wondering how the team could get out of them. It's sort of like how, how, how good can that deal actually be? But I think in the Bengals case, what they're doing is covering themselves. Like right now, the, the amount of money the Bengals are spending on guaranteed money for Mixon is not prohibitive, right? If they, if they spent that, that money extra special smart this year, they're they're probably not going to compete with the with the Ravens and the Steelers and Browns for you know the AFC North. They could compete for a playoff spot. I think they might actually do so. But there's there's not a that money means less to them than it means to Kansas City this year, right? Trying to compete for a second Super Bowl. So I agree with you. And then when when the cans kick down the road a little bit, and Burrow maybe you know becomes a top ten quarterback, and Higgin you know uh, Tyler Boyd's a wide receiver that I think gets the credibility that he deserves, all that kind of stuff. Then they have more flexibility on Mixon, which I think really does help them. So I do agree with you that you know this is less of a an onerous deal than you know, uh, and, and given his history, I think that that's probably was the smart thing because he's a good player, but you never know sort of like what's going to happen in the future, you know. Uh, if as the Bengals get better. Do you think, uh, it, this is tough, because the, the Bengals are so adamant on getting this deal done. And, you know, the front office wanted it done, and I think it was as much about the person as anything. Like, do, do you think that, because they like his energy and everything like that, do you think that this is something you could see moving forward where this is the model, where if you do happen to have a quarterback on a rookie deal and a really good running back, you keep him around versus... I don't know, a team like Tampa Bay not paying a player like Mixon $12 million because they just don't have the the room to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing it right now with New Orleans, right, where you have a highly paid veteran quarterback on a really good team and you have Kamara who, you know, now I think that they offered him a deal that was APY less than 
uh, what Mixon just got. And, you know, Kamara, Mixon's a fine running back, but Kamara's in another world than he is, I think. And, like, I think there's a real chance that the New Orleans Saints move on without him. And um, whereas you, you sort of look, and the Rams are a tough example because they ended up paying Goff at the end of all of it. But, you know, when you had Goff on a rookie deal, the girly deal wasn't so bad, although the Rams are in kind of crap hell right now, or cap hell right now. But it's like, you know, the, the, there is something to that. If you if you can pair these contracts, it's a lot better. You know, when you have a very a court, you know, a quarterback, for example, on a rookie deal, then you can pay a defensive end, a la you know the Cleveland Browns of Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield. If you have uh, you know a, a quarterback on a huge deal like the San Francisco 49ers do with Jimmy Garoppolo you have to hit on Nick Bosa at a valuable position in a cheaper deal as a second overall pick like that that's good cap management and the hard part is is you know if everything goes right the the, the thing about that I have to think about if you're the Bengals if everything goes right, you're extending Burrow, you're extending Higgins, you're extending Jonah Williams, um, you're extending John Ross if he becomes a player, right, as a first, you know top 10 pick. And in that scenario, if everything works out, Mixon isn't a player you want to pay, right? So it's sort of it, – that's really what you have to think about with these deals. And it's a luxury that I think the Bengals don't have yet, but they hope, they hope to in the future. And I think the structure of the contract, a lot of those deals you're talking about paying in the future – Mixon's deal is either really easy to get out of at that point if they need to, or it's just over at that point. Last question for you, Eric. You mentioned some optimism that I wasn't expecting to hear from you when you said that you think the Bengals could be in contention for a playoff spot this year. Let's close on a high note. Where does that come from, and and how do you see that going down? Well, for one, I think people, especially I think in the betting markets, they're being incorporated, but I I don't think that – people realize what that extra playoff spot means. You know, um, sure. I have the Bengals right now with a 28% chance to make the playoffs in the AFC, which is, you know, fairly high given that they were a two and 14 team. You look at their you know point differential. They were more like a five win team a season ago. Um, the combination of Dalton and Finley were worth about a win above like a practice squad quarterback. So maybe Burrow gets in that two, three win range. Now you're starting to talk about seven wins and then, one of the things that they've done that I think is extremely important is I don't think individual defensive players move the market very much, but collections of players on defense that play the right positions do. And I know that they had the, the hiccup with Waynes. I, I know he's going to be out for a little bit, but then you have, you know, Vaughn Bell, you have Mackenzie Alexander. Should he, you know, come back and, and, and be healthy and things like that. Multiple defensive backs playing well, is worth way more than the sum of the parts. And the Bengals, to their credit, did a really good job of they got three linebackers in the draft, right? You only need about two of those to hit. They have six defensive backs, you know, that are all NFL caliber and starting caliber. You only need five of them to hit. Like, and they have one of the better defensive fronts in the league with, you know, Atkins and Dunlap, and then you have DJ Reader as well as a free agent addition. Like Jonah Williams, the left tackle is like another first round pick. Like there's a lot to like about the Bengals. And you know, yeah, things have to go well for them, but I don't think that they're this doormat that people believe they are. There you go. There's Eric Eager, the biggest data nerd, and I'm not going to call you nerd. I'm a nerd, too. I actually think it's a compliment saying that, you know what, there is a chance, and not only is there a chance, there's a 28% chance for the Bengals to grab that extra playoff spot. Eric, it has been a treat. Thanks for coming on and talking some numbers and talking Bengals and mixing with us. Thanks for having me on, guys. 
That was PFF's Eric Eager. If you're interested in following his work, you can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Coming up next, we got some news from the Los Angeles Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn. And it's a little premature, but because we did, it's time to start looking ahead to that week one matchup coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The countdown to week one is on. We're either 11, 10, or maybe nine days away from the opener, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. But uh, as we record this, John Ross days, 11 days away from Bengals football returning at Paul Brown Stadium. And Jake, we have some developing news on the Chargers front, really all week, there's been something when it's relating to the Chargers. First, something that most of you have probably heard, safety Derwin James underwent and successfully underwent surgery on his knee. He's going to be out six to eight months. So an all-pro as a rookie, a guy the Bengals certainly liked in that 2018 draft. And Derwin James going to be out for the entire 2020 season. So he won't be out on the field against the Bengals in less than two weeks. And neither will sixth overall draft pick. Well, he'll be on the field, but he's not going to be playing. Justin Herbert. It isn't going to be the Herbert Joe Burrow show because Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn announced on Wednesday, Tyrod Taylor is getting the ball. He's going to start week one against the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. Is this good or is this bad for the Bengals, Jake? That's a really good question, actually. I think it's probably pretty close to neutral, trending toward bad, just because I don't think Justin Herbert's ready from what I've heard and seen. But Tyrod Taylor has a obviously mixed history against the Bengals. His teams in Buffalo are one and one when he's playing against the Bengals. And I think that really for the Los Angeles Chargers, who also might be without wide receiver Mike Williams, by the way, is, is it's going to come down to how well can the Bengals handle Austin Eckler and how well can the Bengals handle those defensive ends, those edge rushers that are so good. That really, the whole defensive line is really good. But the Derwin James thing is much more significant, maybe not much more significant, maybe actually much more significant than, than, not having, than having Tyrod Taylor start instead of Justin Herbert. I, I, I struggled to get there, but, but you get my point. I don't know how much of a difference there is between Tyrod and, and Herbert besides styles. I think Derwin James, that's that's much more substantial news. And you could take this one of two ways. One, there's film on Tyrod. So you could study that and know what, what where he's coming from and what he's going to do in some of his tendencies. On the other side, Justin Herbert only got reps with the twos. So I would love for him to go out there, right? I would love for him to try to throw to Keenan Allen. He'd probably sail one well above Allen's head and Jesse Bates could pick it off. So I I think that you could go back and forth. I would rather it be Burrow versus Herbert because it would give Burrow a chance to really just show, Hey man, I'm that dude. Not that he he can't show that anyway, but like the week, what what is it? 14 against the dolphins. I I'm hoping I'm praying that Tua Tungavailoa is under center 
versus Joe Burrow. I don't want it to be Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. Screw all that. I want it to be Tua versus Burrow. And I wanted this to be Herbert versus Burrow. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. And I get it. Tyrod doesn't scare me, by the way. It's like, you know, uh, poor man's Andy Dalton to me. Like, you know, a, a stable guy. He's a little more athletic, but a stable quarterback. But he's he's clearly a backup at this stage of his career. I don't know about that comparison uh, in terms Why? Of, of why not in terms of style. I don't think Tyrod not is a style. particularly consistent quarterback. I think that he's like a pretty inconsistent quarterback that ends up with on average similar results. To, although Andy you Dalton, think Andy Dalton was consistent. Yeah, I was getting there. It's a bit of a misnomer <laughs> that Andy Dalton is consistent. Anyway, no it, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. I, I think again, like I said, I think it comes down to that the players, and we're going to get into this a whole lot more next week. The players that are going to decide this game are, are for the Chargers, not the quarterback. It's the pass rushers. It's how the secondary holds up without Derwin James. It's how the Bengals managed to defend mostly Austin Eckler because the way we talked about Alvin Kamara earlier, the way that we talk about guys like Christian McCaffrey, Eckler is that guy for the Los Angeles Chargers. And yeah, you can talk about Keenan Allen a little bit too. He's obviously a very good player, but Eckler scares me a whole lot more with the Bengals' history of not being able to cover receiving running backs. Jake, you know what I just realized? What did you just realize, James? We're so close. So close to football. Think about it. We're kind of previewing a real game. We are. That is scheduled to take place in less than two weeks. Uh, that's huge. That's oh, huge. baby. You know um, how long this offseason has been? Oh, man, I just got excited. Woo! Trust me, I know how long it's been. And Woo! I've said, I, I, don't, I don't get excited the same way you do, but I, I am very excited. You can't hear it in my voice right now, but if you can You're see trying. my face... You would know that I was excited. I can't wait to be able to watch football and have my own opinions about things and, and be able to dig into film. And it's just, it's been so long. And I'm not going back to watch 20, 2019 stuff because that, that serves no purpose to me anymore. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I'm very Give happy. Woo! Woo! Give me a woo. No, not yet. Come on. No. Come on, Jake. I don't respond to being put on the spot, James, but you'll learn after, that about after, me as we go. After the Bengals' first win, you have to guarantee the fans a woo. Okay. After their first win. Okay. Hopefully in 12 days or okay. less. I, I'm fine with that. All right. We'll, we'll just have to, you know, we'll have to watch the audio levels. I, I don't want it to be too loud. I don't want to deafen anybody oh. out there, you know. Here we go. We'll, I've we'll made do... people deaf for you. We'll we'll do a wake up call. We'll we'll start the show for the for the Bengalorian who listens to the show every day as he goes to work with a with a woo one day. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with fifty three man roster projections as cutdown day is coming on Saturday. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.